it's good evening. I, I said it's good evening. I don't know why I said that. I apologize. It is a good evening, and it's good to see each of you here tonight. And I'm thankful, as I said a moment ago, to have some of Jennifer's family with us this evening. I forgot that Brother Rusty mentioned this morning that uh, friends would be passing through tonight. So whenever I stepped out to do the baptism, I thought, who are all these young people in the front row? Uh, but the Allen family is it? Adams family. All right. So it's good to have the Adams family with us. And uh, we'll hopefully get to know all of you all just a little bit in a few minutes. Uh, but it is good to see you tonight. Turn, if you would, to the book of Galatians. Galatians is where we're going to be this evening. We're not going to be in our study of the words of Christ. I know that most of you know this, but on the nights that we have fellowships here at the church, I like to preach kind of a special sermon, and this will not be a real long sermon, just something I would like us to consider as we make our way into the fellowship this evening. But as you have your place there in Galatians chapter 6, let's go ahead and pray, and then we will get started. Father, it is again good to be in your house tonight. Lord, we're thankful for the baptism of Jennifer and what that means in her life. And Lord, I, I pray for Jennifer and her future walk with you and her development with you. I pray that you'd be with her and bless her. God, I pray that you would help each of us in our walk with you as we strive to develop that, that you'd help us to walk in a way that would be pleasing to you, and Lord, that uh, our lives would be an example to those that we come into contact with. I pray these things now in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this evening I'd like to begin with this thought. I know you know this to be true, but I'd like for us to consider it anyways. And that is this, is that as we go through life, there are many things that we do not like and we do not care for. Would you agree with that? That as we go through life, there are many things that we do not like and we do not care for. I would suspect this evening in a room of, of people with, with this number of folks, if we were to go around and talk about what is happening in our nation this evening, right now, what is taking place in politics, if I were to say to you, do you like everything that's happening? Do you like everything that's taking place? I think every one of us would come up with several things we don't like that we don't care for, again, by way of what is happening on a national level. I think if we were to look at what happens in our own state sometimes, things that are taking place, things that are happening, I think we would say, you know, there are some things I don't care for, I don't like them, I wish they would change. You see how this could continue on. It's not just from a national level. It's not just the state level. Uh, I, I might be able to say, are there some things going on in Pampa that you don't like, that you don't care for? And you'd say, yeah, there's some things going on even here in town that I don't like, that I don't care for. I could say to you, do you have some things at your job that you don't like, that you don't care for? And you might say this, yeah, there are some things at my job I don't like and I don't care for. I might say this, are there some things in your own family that you don't like, that you don't care for? And even as perfect as your family may be, you may say, yeah, there are a couple of things in my family going on that I don't like, that I don't care for. That being the case, I want us to consider this truth, that some of the things that we don't like and some of the things that we don't care for it is completely and entirely out of our hands. There is absolutely nothing we can do to change the situation that maybe we don't care for. I've said to people before who are griping about what is happening in Washington, what is happening on a national level, I've said to them before, what do you want me to do about it? 
There is nothing I can do about it. I voted, and that's really the extent of my voice. That is really the extent of my power. I voted, and, and past that, they're not asking me what to do. So this is kind of out of my hands. The same would be true on a state level, sometimes on a local level. You know this to be the case, that sometimes at your job, things are happening. It is completely out of your control, and even in your family, there are times that things are happening that you don't like, and you would have to say, as much as I would love to change this in my family, I can't. That's the way it works, isn't it? I'm establishing a point that I want us to see that sometimes there are things that are completely out of our hands. But sometimes it is not out of our hands. And sometimes what needs to be addressed and sometimes what needs to be changed really is to an extent completely dependent upon us and what we're willing to do in this situation. Now, again, I can't change anything on a national level, at least anything that I'm aware of. I can't change anything that I know of on a state level, even to an extent here on the local level. But let's be honest, there are some things that if you don't like them at work, there are some things that you could do to make them different and to make them better. It's just a matter of whether or not you'll do it. Sometimes, or, or, or there are occasions in our lives where where people want things to change in their family, but they don't want to do anything, when the truth of the matter is this, is if you would do some things different, some things in your family would change. I mean, let's be honest, not everything is completely out of our control. Not everything is completely out of our hands. We do have some say in some things in our lives. Now, why I mention that? Well, this evening we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6. We are going to be in a very familiar portion of Scripture. This is what I've referred to in the past, not only with this passage, but with other passages. This is a standalone truth. This is a standalone scripture. I understand that there is a context. I understand that there is... is truth proceeding and following this statement, but tonight I just want us to look at this truth from a standalone perspective where Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verse number 7, be not deceived, God is not mocked, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So Paul said to the believers of Galatia in verse number 7, be not deceived. What does it mean to be deceived? It just means this, to be led astray. The idea would be you know what the truth is. You, you know what is right, but someone has been deceived, and now they are led astray from what they know to be true, from what they know to be right. And the context would lead us to understand this, that what Paul is talking about is in their mind and in their thoughts, do not allow yourselves to be deceived or to be led astray. Why is that important? It's important that we understand that for this reason, that all actions are birthed in our thoughts. 
Actions are birthed in our thoughts. And so what Paul is warning them against is them being deceived or them being led astray in their thoughts because if they allow themselves to be deceived, if they allow themselves to be led astray in their thoughts, here's what it will do. It will produce in their lives faulty or wrong or sinful actions. That is always the result of faulty thinking. That would be faulty living or a faulty lifestyle. So Paul said, don't allow yourselves to be deceived. Do not allow yourselves to be led astray in your mind, in your thought process. He went on to say this, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. Now, let's, let's look up here, all right? Let, let's give attention to this. God is not mocked. What does it mean whenever Paul said that God is not mocked? It just means this, that God will not be laughed at and God will not be ridiculed. Okay? God is not going to be the one who says something and it is not true, and then everyone is able to say, yeah, 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 that's what God said, but it's not true. No, this is what we can be sure of, is that when God says something, it is true. God will not be mocked. God will not be laughed at. God will not be scorned. When God makes a declaration, mark it down. That is exactly how it will happen. That is exactly how it will take place. So he said, don't allow yourselves to be deceived. Don't allow yourselves to be led astray. God will not be mocked. He then said this, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. So we know this, that that, that, that is true in a literal, physical sense, is it not? It is absolutely true. I've talked about this before. You know this. You don't need my explanation on it. But if you plant apple seeds, what are you going to get? You're going to get apples. If you plant seeds of a peach, you're going to one day get a peach tree. That's what you're going to get. Well, Paul, you know, is not talking about apples or peaches or any other kind of seed. He is talking about a person's manner of life. And what he is saying is this, whatever you do in this life, whatever you sow, that is what you will eventually one day reap. Mark it down. That is going to happen. It's just the way life works. Whatever you sow, you are going to reap. The text lets us know in verse number 8, we can either reap to the flesh or we can reap to the spirit. We can reap to that which is right or we can reap or we can sow rather to that which is wrong. We can sow whatever seeds we want to sow, but we have got to know that that is what we're going to reap in the future. I have said this before, you know this as well as I do, that even the world understands this principle. They do not look to Galatians chapter 6 to explain it, but this world understands this principle. Every one of us have heard the word karma. All that means from a worldly perspective is, is what goes around comes around, and what you do is going to come back to you in one way or another. The world doesn't realize it, but the world understands biblical truth we reap what we sow every one of us at some point in our lives. Again, it'll either be positive or it'll be negative. It'll either be helpful or it will be hurtful. But whatever we sow, we've got to know it is coming to fruition at some point in our lives. 
Now you say, okay, I get that. I understand that. I'm mindful of it. I, I even know that. And I could preach this sermon up to this point. Okay, that's good. But here's where I want us to take this principle and apply it kind of in a unique fashion based on tonight's activity. Tonight, I want us to think about the setting that we're in, the fact that we are in a church setting. Okay, we're in a church setting. For those of you who may not fully understand this, this is a church setting, a church environment, a, 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 a church. That's what it is, okay, a church. There are churches scattered all across America, are there not? There are churches scattered all across America. We, in many regards, are not unique to any other church. Okay, so there are thousands and hundreds of thousands of churches made up of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of individuals across our land. Now, here is what you will find if you listen to people who attend church. That many people who attend church are not happy in the church they are in. I'm just saying it could be said like this, that, that many people would say things of their church home, their church family, that there are things that they don't really like and there are things about their church that they don't really care for. Kind of like a person may say, well, there are things happening in the nation, things happening in the state, things happening on the job, whatever it may be. There are people who would say things like this. There are just things happening in our church that, man, I'm not crazy about. I don't care for. I don't like it. And on and on they would go. And I'm just going to throw in this little thought real quick. And that would be a lot of times people should not be happy with what is happening in their church right now. There's just a lot of things happening in churches today that a child of God should not be happy with, that they should not like, that they should not care for. Okay, so you've got things that are happening in churches, and, and people would say things like, man, I'm just not happy, I just don't like it, I just don't care for it. And, and you might engage in the conversation and say, well, what is it that you don't like? Let's listen now. What is it that you don't care for? And whenever you ask that question... Here's what you'll find, a host of answers in response. Amen. I don't like what the preacher's doing here. I don't like the music. I don't like this, the youth group, whatever it may be. The list could be limitless as to what they don't like and what they don't care for. In a situation like that, I want us to, I want us to hear this. In a situation like that, Sometimes what a person doesn't like is completely out of their control. Sometimes what's happening in a church, that person has no control over whatsoever. Maybe they've gone to the pastor and they've said, Pastor, I've got some concerns about this, and the pastor dismissed it. Maybe they've gone to the youth pastor. Maybe they've gone to the music minister. Whatever it is, they've done everything they know to do, and nothing is changing. And they could honestly say before God, I've done everything I know to do in this situation, and there's nothing more that I can do. This is the situation we're in. I want to acknowledge tonight that sometimes people are in a tough spot because what is happening in their church is something they have no control over. But, but, but what? But this. 
Sometimes what people don't like and what people don't care for in a church could be greatly altered if they would be willing to do some things differently. But they may or may not want to do anything. They might just rather sit around and gripe that things aren't different than what they are. It's kind of like the job situation. Some people could actually make things better if they would change their actions. Some people could change the situation in their family if they would just change their actions. How do you know I could change anything? Because the Bible says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. Friends, if you change your actions, you change the results. It's just that simple. Okay, so the same application works in a church setting. Yes, there are some things that are out of a person's control. Yes, there are some things that they can't change. But I want to remind us tonight, not just in light of a fellowship, but in light of everyday church life, there are things that we can do to make things better if we're willing to do it. And if we would sow correctly, we would reap things that we would actually enjoy in the future. It is actually somewhat dependent upon us and what we contribute to this church that we're a part of. So I'm going to be very specific for just a couple of moments. Church setting, church fellowship, church dinner, church get-together, church-wide waiting for the food to be prepared, right? Somebody says, why aren't they cooking it now so that I don't have to wait? Because none of us are that important, all right? We all need to hear the preaching of the Word of God so we can wait a few moments, okay? I'm just saying church setting, church service, church dinner, church fellowship, and church-wide waiting on the, the meal to be prepared. And here's what I'm amazed at every year. People who sit in a corner by themselves. Well, that wasn't very fun. I don't know why the preacher made such a big deal about a church fellowship. I wasn't encouraged. Hey, listen, every fellowship, this happens. I, mean, I don't know what the big deal is. Everybody's like, oh, fish, fifth Sunday fellowship, fish fry. I mean, uh, I'm just here for the free food. You know why people get that out of the fellowship? It's because that's what they put into the fellowship. We reap according to what we sow. Every fellowship, I don't want to say every because that might be an exaggeration, but almost every fellowship, I say things like this, get around Visit with people you don't normally visit with. Take this opportunity to, to just sit and to visit and, and, and to enjoy the time. And here's what you'll see. The same little group of people just nestled up together, and they still don't know anybody any better than they did before the church service started. But, but, but why didn't they come to me? Well, hold on. Why didn't you go to them? Be not deceived. God will not be mocked. This is a principle that applies to every area of life. We reap what we sow. 
If we want to be unsociable, if we want to be unfriendly, if we just want to try to blend into the crowd and, and, and fade into the wall and just hope nobody sees us, don't expect this to be a lot of fun tonight. Don't expect to leave here with your spiritual cup full, so to speak. Don't expect to leave here tonight thinking, man, it's good to be in the house of God with fellow believers. No, if you're not going to give, don't expect to receive. It's just a very, very simple truth. You will get out of this what you are willing to put into it. And if you don't put into it, don't sit around and complain that you didn't get much from it. It's just a simple principle. Say, well, Brother Kyle, are you mad at us? Of course I'm not mad at you yet. I mean, the only reason that I would be upset is if in a few minutes we go over to the activity building and there's some knothead just sitting there not willing to visit or participate or engage. And then it's, uh, come on. Why, why is it so important? It's important because this is a, listen, this is a biblical aspect of church life. Getting together and breaking the bread and the fellowship, it is an intricate part of church life. You and I, whether we realize it or not, we need this. We need this. If Christ broke bread with his disciples, if you see the pattern laid out in the book of Acts, you can't deny that this is needed. But if you don't contribute, don't expect to receive. I've heard people say things like this, I just need a buddy. That's nonsense. You need a buddy? Go make a buddy. You need a friend? Go make a friend. There are plenty of folks here who will be more than happy to welcome you in if you'll make yourself available. Somebody says, well, why do I have to make myself available? Because when you sit there looking sour and all swelled up like a toad, you're not the, uh, no, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm telling you, that's how people present themselves sometimes. They don't present themselves very warm and welcoming and friendly. It's a two-way street. It's give and take. It's, it's sowing and reaping. I want us to enjoy tonight. I want us to have great fellowship and to leave saying, man, what a blessing but it has a whole lot to do with what you do tonight. So on that note, we're gonna have a word of prayer. We're going to be dismissed. You say, well, what about a time of invitation? We're gonna have a time of prayer, and if you need to get your heart right, you need to do it quick, all right? And just ask the Lord to help you to be friendly and sociable tonight and be what you need to be to make the most out of this. But we're gonna have a time of prayer just very quickly, and I'm gonna give you some instructions and then we'll be dismissed. So let's pray. Father, we are thankful to be here tonight. We're thankful, Lord, for the truth of your word. Lord, we will reap according to what we sow even tonight. We will either enjoy this or we will not enjoy it, and it'll have a whole lot to do with what we put forth tonight. Lord, I'm thankful for the food. I'm thankful for what you have made available to us. I'm thankful for the work that's gone into this already. God, I pray that you would bless the food to the nourishment of our bodies. God, I pray that uh, you would just bless us as we're dismissed tonight, that as we go our separate ways eventually, that you would keep us safe. God, that our lives would honor you this week, that we would walk with you in a way that others can see you. 
We pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen.